Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene. Sponsored by Beer Passport, the pocket-sized key to London's amazing craft beer scene. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters Phantom Brewing Co, Bayonet Brewing Co, Dolphin Brewery, The Paper Mill Micropub, Berkshire Beer Box, The Small Batch Brewing Co, Belgium Blues Southampton, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, Aid Bardi, The Brew Brothers, Paul Whelan, Bettina Cassidy, Forks Brewery, Claire Costa, James Cox, Craig Hatton, Steve Pratt, James Moss and John Mead. This Week in Craft Beer members can now get exclusive discounts and savings at some of the top UK craft breweries. If you're interested in saving money or simply want to help support us, then please visit our website at www.thisweekincraft.beer for more information and to join at just £1.99 per month. We hope you won't, but of course you can cancel this at any time. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Mike and Terry, representing both The Rake and Tap East. Mike opened the Rake at Borough Market in 2006 as the first craft beer bar in London and has been a haven for weary Borough Market shoppers ever since. Tap East is a brew pub opened at Westfield Stratford in 2011, just prior to the London Olympics, and has been serving a broad range of craft beers brewed on site ever since. And Terry, I believe you're the head brewer there. I am, yes. <laughs> but gents, um, could I ask you each to introduce yourselves and then we'll get into your beer journeys, which led you to launching both the Rake and Tap East. Hi, I'm Mike Hill. I'm uh, one of the owners of Utebeer and also one of the owners of Tap East. Fantastic. Uh, my name's Terry and I am the head brewer at Tap East in uh, Stratford, Westfield. Excellent. So, Mike, we were just chatting as we were sort of setting up there and there's no doubt that you are one of the, literally one of the founders of UK craft beer, in my opinion. So let's have your beer journey and i'm quite sure this is going to be more lengthy and you know have more interest into the twists and turns than most people have had on this podcast so where did it all start from for you um the i don't know i suppose really the reality is one always been has been a, a keen supporter of beer both whether it be as a student at Edinburgh university um with the dire case of McEwen's lager yes. uh, right through to a time in the military where based in germany when one had the uh privilege of, of having the first Varsteiner and Becks whenever I came across <laughs> right through to coming back to London and then meeting up with Richard and getting involved with Richard and opening a bar called Bedlam which was in the Castle oh, yeah. um, where we and I suppose that's where my journey starts where we were the first some of the first people to put Budvar Budweiser Budvar yep. on draft where we had Hoogarten we were the first people to do that and we carried on that until the end of 98, 99, when Richard and I decided that our core population, which was students, yep. had been introduced to the fact that they now had to pay their fees. <laughs> and prior to that, we had a very, very extremely good system running, one that we employed the local students. They worked for us. We paid them. They then went to the bar and then returned our money to us on a regular basis. What a great Now, this worked yeah. very well <laughs> until the point they saw that which they had to pay fees. And at which point we saw the, po- the, the student population tend to become a little more conscious of their finances. Oh, dear. And so at that stage, we sold uh, Bedlam and it has now become a block of flax, no. a demise of yet another pub. Yeah. Um, but alongside that, we had come up to Borough Market probably for the first fine food fair that was up here. Right. 
and up until then bar market was one of those places you came to to go late night drinking and some fairly salubrious establishments were yeah. around here at the time but we came up here and we noticed there were a lot of people selling wine yep a lot of people selling cheese a lot mm. of people doing butchers and things but there was actually nobody actually selling british beer right and bear in mind that the hop exchange is just around the corner and this was probably That's the right, center yeah. of the brewing industry in london to make sure a great it was, extent. Yeah. Yeah. you had the the two breweries one at tower bridge and you had the brewery the parkley perkins barkley perkins brewery here mm -hmm. courage barkley perkins brewery is up here at, at anchor right so we rather felt it was something that was missing yeah so we persuaded borough market that actually having a beer store would be yep. a really good idea and we formed use beer originally at that stage now the name is derivative of two ideas, utopia, yeah. but just transposed with the word beer, yep. and unusual, traditional, and organic. Oh, so yeah. UTO, That's, which is yeah. what the start of it was. And we've, to some extent, tried to remain to that. Mm -hmm. The organic has probably dropped off more than anything else, but I think that's generally the case in brewing. Generally, yes. the organic doesn't have the, I'm not sure the word support, doesn't have the the requirement that I think many people thought it would would end up with. Right. So yeah. that well, that took us to the start of 99, the old rather December 99, we first started trading at Borough. Right. And at the end, there's still the same market stall that just walked so past this afternoon? Yeah. The market stall is exactly the same. We've, we've moved a few times as they've redeveloped the market on an right. occasional basis. So we carried on with that from 99 and then we started to be approached by some of the, the smaller restaurants and bars in London saying, oh, by the way, can you get these beers that you stock? Right. And we ended up doing, ended up taking on wholesale business. Yeah. Which we carried on through, right through until 2016. Mm -hmm. To be fair, we then, when the wholesale business really was not something that either Rich or I planned to do. And frankly, it's a fairly soul-destroying exercise, to Is be it? frank with you. I think it's one of those things you have to be fairly substantial to do it and we were right. on the smaller end of the market yeah and we got to the town to our stage where we were 2016 where we had a couple of choices really either we sank probably two or three million quid mm -hmm. and rebuilt the whole company to be able to deal with a larger national distribution we were only london based at that stage right. or we found somebody to take on the business and at that stage james clay were looking to expand their distribution in london yeah and so we agreed to a, a sale to James Clay. One would like to say well, I'm walking away with millions, but that actually wasn't the case. We walked away with enough money to set up the bars and things, but that was about it. But that right. was our, so we, uh, during that stage, we'd supplied an enormous number of the craft beer bars in London that were growing at that stage. Right. And really, some of those were the extent that we'd opened in 2006. I was walking across the car park and here in this very location where we're sat now, there was a Greasy Spoon, right. which had been here for as long as since at least 99 and had been yep. serving some dubious bacon sandwiches right through that whole period of time. And coupled with that, it seemed to have an enormous amount of IT equipment, which was very extreme. <laughs> In fact, when they stripped it out, when they stripped it out, they took away eight, eight skip loads of IT equipment. Um, one didn't like to ask what they were doing. With. <laughs> so we saw this place and we knew that it was going to be up for rent in itself as a building and it's small we decided there was absolutely no chance it would work as a bar but what we did do is we persuaded borough market that the reason we could make it work was that if we had an outside area yes 
then it gave us the opportunity to make it work. To actually have a bit of, yeah. It would actually then add value to it. Do some numbers of covers or whatever. It yeah. covers, yeah. and also we had an agreement with the market. They were happy for us to, to use it. Because obviously a lot of people, as you all know, it's not illegal to drink on the streets in UK. So no. a lot of the local pubs rely on the fact that people can spill out onto the street, sure. et cetera, Absolutely. et cetera. Yeah. And we had an agreement with Borough that we'd be able to spill onto their land because obviously the problem with Winchester Walk is it's a very narrow street. Yes, it is, yeah. So Winchester Walk where we are in London is very narrow and therefore for people to pull out, pull out onto the street would have caused real problems. So the market was happy with us to use, the, the, use their grounds as long as we maintained it and looked after it, plastic classes, etc. Yep. Et and so we persuaded them and Southwark that it would be a good idea for us, us to open the bar in 2006. We approached various people for their opinion in clay, uh, Steve Holt hmm. and various other people who are people who are reasonably well-known characters in the craft beer industry at that stage and certainly in the wholesale business and they went, you're going to do what? <laughs> I'm sorry, you're going to open a bar that purely predominates on doing craft beer bar beers mainly from the UK and UK. We went, yeah. Six months was the comment we generally got. <laughs> so, as we're still here in December 20, 2023, that's right. Tough shit. Oh, yeah, definitely <laughs> the last laugh. Yeah. So yeah. Fantastic. So that's and so that's how the rake started. Yep. And we carried on both with the rake and with the wholesale business all the way from two thousand six. Yeah. Up until two thousand sixteen, when we held, sold the wholesale business, the premise of the rake was really to offer something that was not mainstream we relied entirely on the fact the ability that we can buy from who we like yes we're not tied to anybody uh one of the things i've always and rich and i have always done is we've always maintained our own cellar right we don't take equipment from anybody nice we'll only have our own systems in there so right. yeah nobody can say to us that's those are our lines you've got yep. to put our beer through them so we've always tried to look at the smaller craft beer bar beers um we've Strongly believed in overseas. Yep. We've always felt well, there was a uh, there was a need initially in UK to have the American beers. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because I think they uh, they offered something into UK that the new the new brewers that were starting hadn't yet developed. Right. And I think that that the American brewers gave I think a lot of credibility and a lot of support, indirect support to the new craft brewers that were starting and they give them the confidence to try no and question. do some of the things yeah. that they did. So I think that we, we like that idea. And we also like the Belgian beers. We, so we always took an international approach to what we right. did. And our, beer, our process was, one of the th reasons we worked on was we didn't take a beer that was brewed under license. Okay. Mm -hmm. With We have had one exception to that generally, and that was a Texas beer, Lone Star, which at one stage was brewed originally in Texas, but then actually came back into UK um, and was brewed under license in the UK. Right. We kept that on because the reason why the brewery closed is because it burned down. So, Fair enough. <laughs> so there was a story behind it in the yeah. back, back day. Um, so we carried on and then in 2011, we were approached by what was called Westfield, yep. the Australian shopping centre company, yes. saying, would you like to open a, a brew pub in, in our shopping centre? And to be fair, we went, not really um it's a shopping center yeah but um we then got a reasonably an interesting deal from them yeah and that the end was that we would we opened tap east in 2011 right in time for the olympics yes um and we did very well over the olympics I and, then had, did, yeah. and then had a very a long period of time where things were a little tight 
Yeah. Um, which is an inevitability. Yeah. But we are now in our how many years have we been there? Twelve. 12 yeah. yeah. We've been yeah. there twelve years now, and we renewed the lease last year uh, for another ten years. Wow, fantastic. So it's not the easiest place to run. No. It's a business that's predicated on two things. One is you need a core business that gives you most of your money during the week to pay your baseline bills. And the football, yeah. West Ham, is the one that relies on giving you the profitability. So you've you got want. 25 days a year, yeah. pretty much. Where you have, when, and and yeah, as long yeah. as they stay in Europe, we do really well. Yeah, yeah which is <laughs> no, that's actually not a bad, not a bad state of affairs. If you so, can, yeah. if, if you can just, <laughs> yeah. more or less balance the books yeah. away from football, then... then and I yeah. think that in these days, if anybody can survive in the beer business then I think you're doing well anyway mm. frankly and with the brewery the the beer the brewery was never designed to do anything more than provide beer for the for tap east right and for the rake yeah we never intended to do anything else and right. we never intended to be a wholesale commercial brewery it was always ever designed to be something that produced beers for ourselves and only ourselves yeah and part of that premise was for Rich and I said well we might as get a young breweries in Young brewers can come in. Yep. They can do what they like. Great. Yeah. And at the end of a period of time, they'll have learned all they want to do. They'll want to grow and they'll leave. And by then, we'll hopefully have somebody else who'll come in and take it on yep. and carry on. And that's been the principle we've worked on is that we've never dictated to the brewer what they do. Good. It's yeah. an arrangement between the brewer and Tap East as to what beers are required. Yeah. And Rich and I will express an opinion occasionally about. We want a we want a pale ale, or we yeah. want something, or less smoked beer. Not another smoke, <laughs> or less. Um, but nothing more than that. No. And so we've had a succession of brewers gone through who have mostly have gone on to do other things. That's great. Um, yeah. In the brewing industry, mm-hmm. so that's really where we got to. And then we've again, Tappies has been the same. The principle has always been good quality beer, priced as reasonable as you can get, and that's a hard exercise these days yeah. for everybody. Sure but not underpriced and we won't we don't think it's worth trying to run a pub where you try to cut twice the no, beer it's no. not worth it you're not trying to be Weatherspoons don't try and be Weatherspoons Weatherspoons can do Weatherspoons and Weatherspoons do a fine job yep. but it's not my job and no. I don't want to do it thank no. you um, so yeah so are we going to have one of your beers Terry? yeah I've got, I've, got lo- barged. <laughs> I've got lots of questions about the uh, about the, the, the rake which no, we'll come back to um, but let's let's transition to have you say a few words Terry first of all about the first beer we're about to drink so yeah so the first beer we're about to drink today is a smoked wheat beer yep um as we've previously mentioned, I've gone through a bit of a smoked beer phase in the last <laughs> month or so. So we're, we're actually going to have two smoked beers uh, yeah. today. But the this beer is called The Wicker Man. Yep. Um, I actually didn't come up with the name. I was on holiday when it was packed. So the assistant came up with the name of it. It's a, quite a good name. It's for not a bad name beer. at all, actually. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he did well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's smoked wheat beer, 5.1%. Uh, hopefully you're getting the phenols, the esters from the wheat beer Absolutely, yeast. yeah. And then the smokiness isn't like overpowering. No. It's not a, a rock beer. No. It's just a little bit. Just to add some complexity into it. I mean, the honest reason I brewed this beer, one, I really like wheat beers as Mm -hmm. well, normally. Um, I probably brew too many wheat beers as well. (laughs) Uh, So wheat beers, smoked beers. And the beer that we're having later, we brewed this before, and I had some leftover smoked malt. I've never done it in a wheat beer before. I don't like waste. Exactly. (laughs) Quite right, too. No point wasting it. Uh, I actually think it's a good beer to start with as well, because... um, 
you don't see that many wheat beers in UK craft beer. You never have done actually. It was always it was more of an American staple, wasn't it? You know, so I'm sure you've you've been to your fair share of American tap rooms, and you know, there's almost always a wheat beer uh, on the on the menu. American tap rooms, you know, it's kind of like a. It was one of the the styles that I think American craft beer really sort of founded its reputation on. Almost, you know, obviously IPA as well. But um, it's it didn't really cross the pond in the way that the IPA did. So you know, it's interesting to to drink a wheat beer here because I, I suspect that you know when you started, Mike, um, the rate there was more of a demand for wheat beers than there is today, probably. And, and um, I think so. I mean, I think my comment would be that. I think the Americans did it because they had to do everything. Yeah, sure. Um, whereas I think in UK, you always had the ability to access to a German and, and a European malt, uh, wheat beers. Yes, that's So right. I think there was an easier access to the market already. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, I'm trying to think, what was the St. Austell produced a cloudy wheat beer? The yellow something or other, I think it was. There were a few, but of course, yeah. prior to that, most of the British wheat beers had been traditional beers but just brewed using wheat yes so and the americans did a couple of those well sierra nevada did one yeah but the american i think the americans the americans creation of the sort of tradition the more the more belgian german style yeah. wheat beer is something that i think had they had less influence here mm-hmm. than i think the the european wheat market wheat beer market had yeah um and i think you know who was i mean i bear you hardly see now that's right yeah and if you think you go back it was probably the one that started the it would, yeah revolution. absolutely yeah you know there, um, there was a time when it was on almost yeah. every bar wasn't it alongside that you'd have found Erdinger yeah yeah and Meisel yeah and I think you'd seen uh, so I think you'd also then who gone Blanche de Brussels uh, so I think they I think they were very uh, well, they were very important parts of it I don't yep. think I'm trying to think if there are any wheat smoked wheat beers around well, Sri Lanka. Is well, Sri Lanka, no, Sri Lanka produce, is a Marzen, and they do produce yeah. a, a, a wheat beer. Yeah. They do a, a Weizen wheat yeah. beer, uh, which is more unusual. So, so, yeah. Nice. It's a, an interesting alternative to, to my usual beer consumption, so I'm enjoying it. And I, to be honest, I do, if I'm in a tap room and there is a wheat beer, I'll often have it just as a, as a change of pace, to, you know, as a, a palate refresh or whatever. You know, it wouldn't be my first choice of... A beer style typically, but I appreciate it. What's the ABV on it? Uh, 5.1%. Okay, nice. The ABV. But th- this is the beauty of Tappies, like mm. Mike said before, because we have no commercial pressure to yep. be pumping out sessions, I can just kind of mess about a little bit within reason. <laughs> <laughs> so let's um, talk about Tappies. I haven't been there to my shame. Mm-hmm. I have been to Stratfield. Uh, uh, Westfield and I for some reason managed not to go to your bar so I apologise <laughs> I'll, I'll correct that error next time I'm over there but how big is it you know how how many people can you get inside how big is the brew kit so we're, we're pretty small I mean I don't know what your max capacity is but only a couple of hundred I suppose yeah. um, like crammed in <laughs> yeah. um, so we're right on the corner of Westfield so where yeah. the Stratford International Station is yeah. um, so we're right on there just on the outside of it the brewery itself is uh, 420 litres, okay. yep. so again, pretty small. The actual, if you do come to Tapis, I'll show you the kit. The kit's yep. amazing. The whole brew house is in one vessel. Okay. So at the top of the brew house, we have the kettle slash hot liquor tank on right. one side, and then on the other side, the mash tun, wow. and then underneath is your whirlpool slash louder tun. Right. So it's all in one vessel, hmm. and our fermenters, we there one vessel has two fermenters so one right. on the top one on the bottom yep. dish bowl ones so very compact because we have such a small space yeah how many beers are you producing a month 
So I aim to brew about one and a half times a week, okay. basically. Yeah. Five, six a month. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, the plant was originally from. Uh, it was from a brew pub up in, up in uh, the in the Lake District. Huh? It was originally built in can. It's a DME plant. Right. So it's a fairly standard DME plant, mm-hmm. and all that goes with that over spare parts is going to be always a bit of an issue with it. But it right. was, but it was purpose built for a small American style brew pub. Huh. Very good. How many taps go in there? So we have six cast lines and seven keg lines. Is it? Great. Or okay. A bit more than yeah. that. But yeah, in terms of our beer, we tend to have three of ours on cask at all times. Yeah. Uh, and then one or two of mine on keg, and then the rest are guest beers. Yeah. Um, predominantly London breweries okay. over yep. there, um, but they're constantly rotating. And do you, do you buy it in conjunction with the rake or separately for you? Sometimes we yeah. share orders, yeah. um, but, but we're, we're still two con- separate bars. Um, yeah. The models are very different, um, Tap East and the rake yeah um, i think tappies has a definitely has a predominance to look to london right whereas the rake would deliberately to some extent tend to try and look around about london rather than london directly yeah i think tappies has got that its client base is, is it's an interesting model actually to some extent the implications of the of stratford being a transport hub yeah is quite interesting actually because there's a huge number of people who use Stratford International Station as a way to get home to Essex, or they use Stratford as a way to get home to Essex or down to Kent. Oh yeah. yeah. So what we have is a we have a a, a a very big bunch of people who come in late afternoon to early evening. Right. And they are having their beers before they get on their trains going right. home, and therefore it, it you're often dictated by them wanting to have local beers. We try to whereas in here we're in the rake. We would definitely put in on an international lager, and in, at the moment we've got Yeva on yep. and Budweiser, Budvar, uh, then Netflix beer. Over at Tap East, we've we've got Pillars, right, which is the local lager, yeah, yeah, and it very much, so, yeah. and it very much reflects what is expected, not only of the people who commute, but also of the, of the of the people who drink locally. Okay, is they're much more looking towards local beers and local supported local business, hmm. which is interesting. Where and I think that reflects on the fact that. Borough Market truly, has an entirely different international has a, community yeah, here. Has a entirely, yeah, yeah. entirely different outlook on oh, the number yeah, of people yeah. it's seeing. So I think Tappies, to some extent, much more reflects local businesses, local beers yeah. than actually than actually the rake does. So it's been it's been interesting to see what sells over at Tappies, and Terry's beers do very well as a result. In terms yeah. of ABVs, would you say the you know are you are you selling higher ABV beers in the rake than Tappies, or can I not make that? No, I think yeah. Um, the rake can get away with can get a selection of beers on that will go from a, a anything up to fourteen percent mm. ABV right down to to two and a half percent ABV. Yeah. Um. And I think historically it's allowed to carry that because of what it, it what, what it's always done that. Yeah. I think a tap mm-hmm. it tends to be more conservative, small C. Yeah. In that, because your client there are less customers, frankly, not because it's a bad or good thing. It's just there are less customers. Yeah. And the result is that actually you have to be more steady on what you offer. Right. Because you need to move the beer. Whereas actually here you can rely on the fact that it will move. Yeah, even if you put something a bit, it, old, yeah, yeah, a bit, a bit exotic a bit on it. Yeah, a bit exotic, a bit quirky. It'll yeah. move. Yeah. It won't move as fast as other things, but it will move. Whereas yeah. actually at Tap East you could find yourself left with a beer on that would, would at the end of the day, you'd probably have to throw that away. Makes sense, so, yeah. So I think you've got to be more, I think you've got to be, a bit cleverer at Tap East than you have here to some extent yeah. in the selection of beers. 
definitely. I think, I mean, Tap East is craft beer light, mm. if you will. <laughs> They're not the hardcore craft beer nerds that want the newest releases. Right. What they want is good, consistent beer that changes over time. So they, they do try, I mean, we'll get West Ham fans who probably don't normally drink craft beer, drinking this smoked wheat beer, okay. which is a style that they'll probably never have. And no. Hopefully, most of them will like that and yeah. carry on and drink other versions of it. But it's just not as a hardcore following as the rake. For obvious reasons, no. the rake is a, a pillar in Absolutely. London craft beer. Yeah. So it's a destination yeah. uh, to come to. So maybe they will spend that extra on yep. 24%. <laughs> barley wine or something uh, where well, yeah, that's not what we get at Tappies really let's put it back to the rake uh, Mike yeah. uh, just briefly so the what you've got downstairs now is four cask and 20 kegs four cask and oh god how many kegs lines I have no idea I don't know 16, 20 I <laughs> yeah, think it is it's one moment. of those two isn't it it's one of the two <laughs> um, though we actually t- we, slight, we slightly cheated that we had a side of lime as well okay which yeah. isn't done through there so it's right. yeah I mean what's the mix cask is, is you try and put a, you try and put a selection of cask beers on anything from a, a nice decent stout and porter yeah. through to a pale ale I like a traditional bitter on the bar occasionally and it's harder to find those than you think these days yeah. And on the other lines, then normally as a matter of principle, the cider would be one you've got to have a cider on these days. Yeah. As far as the other goes, I would try. We try and put a, a respectable lager, so something like we've got the Yaver on at the moment, and yeah. well, we started off with Velton's, but Yaver on as a starter, and then something else a bit lower ABV, probably so, so something five, and then something four and a half, and then beyond that, it's very much up to the bar manager, and we don't dictate. We have a a bit of guidance. Yeah. In the Okay, if all your customers want to drink three and a half or four and a half to five and a half percent pale ales, then probably not a good idea to put eighteen sours on. No. So it's a case of it's a case of you need to work out what you're doing, but you've got to make sure that you're appealing to your customers. Yeah. And I think occasionally it's very hard to do for the manager. Yeah. It's easy to get it wrong. Yeah. Because your expectation is for a beer to go quicker than it does. Yeah. So that you can end up having in your head, you've got a plan that says, I'm going to have eight pale ales on, I'm going to have two targets, two et cetera, et cetera. And then something doesn't sell. Yeah. And, and you've got an extra sour on. What you, yeah, and you've yeah. got four sours on. And, then, and, it, and it can. So it's a real skill. And yeah, I yeah, think that's, good point, that's yeah. a manager's skill. Is one of the one of you're looking for a manager is that ability to think. And the duty managers to be able to think Just on their to feet project and say, what the next few days actually, are going to be like. Yeah, or even yeah. what that evening's going to be. Yeah. I'm not going to sell all that, so I'll actually put an extra pale ale on mm-hmm. because I think that's I think that sour's going to be around longer than I think it's than yeah. I'm expecting. So that's the that's the real skill that comes from the managers we have. It's their ability to judge where they think the beers are going to go over the next twenty four hours and forty eight yeah. hours. Because we'll change it that often. I mean, you know, I have no idea how many casks we're currently doing, but we used to do they used to change the casks, four casks. When we only had two casks, we would change them at least once or twice a day. Nice, yeah. Um, it's probably less now, but it'll depend on the time yeah. of year. So, so I'm interested to sort of get a history view as well. So, so what, when you opened, do you remember how many lines you had? Uh, how, how has that evolved? I think, yeah. well, good God, we must have had only about six really? kegs lines, yeah. Yeah. four cask lines, mm-hmm. I think. Um, we... Maybe more than eight. Good God, now you're asking me to remember. <laughs> I'm feeling old now. But I think what the interesting thing was, 
they would definitely have been predominant of cask and you would have seen the likes of I suppose one of the, the beers that dominated in our own heads would have been the like and the people who were doing stuff that was really interesting yeah or not interesting was that we enjoyed as drink and session drink it would have been Dark Star yes yeah um, Oakham Oakham Citra I was going to say Oakham yeah, Citra yeah, and yeah. Dark Star would yeah. have been two of the beers I think probably I think are very responsible for a way that a lot of the craft beer industry went sure I think the fact that they produced very um, drinkable pale ale style beers yeah before anybody else the fact that everybody else didn't produce them in keg was irrelevant they were the beers that that I think a lot of people started with in the new the new round after you got away from I don't want a bitter I want something else yeah I think those two beers was probably two of the key beers that were Absolutely. Ever produced. and then and at that time you then had the start of Thornbridge appearing on the market yeah and I think those three breweries have a lot to do with where we are now yeah I think that's very fair uh, yeah. I think that's and I think you had the stalwarts around the St. Ostals yeah Sharps at that stage which yep. is a different offer but I think that those yeah to me then then you know Thornbridge Darkstar Oakham were probably mm -hmm. three of the key breweries yeah. for me in that at that time probably and I think there was more cask well there was more cask available of course it was yeah. Um, yeah and I think we hadn't had the craft breweries starting up no they were just starting to appear our meantime was a was trading yeah but that was probably in London that was about it at that yeah. stage but yeah times have changed they certainly have <laughs> how many breweries we got in London now 140 is that right yeah something wow but I think the um, the customers have changed as well yeah I think that there is a and it's entirely down to us as brewers and publicans have created slightly a rod for our own back in that I think we realised we could do a lot more with beer than we were doing yeah and we do some stunningly exciting stuff mm. you know the pastry stouts the, the really hoppy west case IPAs and all those things and we and we were competing not only against each other yeah but we were competing with ourselves that's exactly right yeah and you, so what we ended up yeah. doing was we we're going to produce a new beer every week yeah and we we're going to produce a different style of beer every week and I think we ended up with this situation where the customer came to expect it yeah and I think there's a danger with that in my opinion I think it uh, it then requires you don't get an economy of scale in terms of ingredients and costs, etc., no. etc. And then we end up in this slightly cycle where uh, the beer costs more money because I'm producing lower volume of it, yeah. but I'm producing it with these things and it gets more expensive. And then the customer goes, it's getting more expensive. And so I think we've, to some extent, the craft beer industry and all of us included, I think need to step back a bit yeah. and <clears> say, actually, what we want to do is produce some really good, consistent beers. Yeah. And then on top of that, then we do the special. And occasional special, but not, and the not special. Yeah, but yeah. I think otherwise, a new beer every week, I think not only the cust. I think it's, I don't think the customer is going to be able to afford it yeah. for a bit, but also I think I'm not sure whether we're doing ourselves any flavours no. in terms of developing the costs of things. No. I mean, don't forget, I know, we know as a small brewery, as a 420 litre brewery, I know I pay the highest price for everything. That's right, yeah. I yeah. do not get a discount. No. So if I'm noticing a price increase, I God knows what some of the other guys are feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that I think I think the craft beer industry and the the guys who are producing some tremendous beers, I personally would like to see in my case some more steady beers being produced. Yeah. 
that are consistent. Well, it's, def- it's definitely happening. Yeah, you know, it is. I, 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 talking to different UK brewers every week on this podcast, that the, the majority now are focusing in on some sort of a core range, whereas you know, a year or two ago they would, you know, would have laughed yeah. at that idea. Yeah. So, so you know, I think it's happening. You know, I, there's definitely a demand for. There's, there is still the new beer crowd out there that, that want to see new and interesting stuff, and I'm, I'm probably as guilty as, as anybody of being part of that crew. But there's also an understanding, I think, from my perspective, that that doesn't really make a lot of sense if you're trying to build a predictable business and trying, as you say, try yes. To get I mean, I think that's I think that's it, and I think it's it's a very skilled balance mm-hmm. that allows you to do both, and the, yeah. and that's. And I think that's where we're seeing is some of the craft brewers who have the ability to produce. Oh, by the way, we're going to brew four days a week doing the same beer. But after that, you can have two days doing what you like. Yeah. And I think that's the clever bit is those yeah. people that get together and they work out what they've got to do to go ahead for the future. Because it, it's pale ales are the are where, what people want we'll to drink. Are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's going to be, and we've got the new duty rates in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the impact of that's going to be. I can safely say from our point of view, it's a bonus. Yeah, good. Um, yeah. And it, to be fair, it suits brew pubs. Yeah. Because it actually reduces our duty because of the amount of volume, amount of beer we produce right. and the yeah. ABVs. That's good. So I think that what's going to be interesting is what happens in the mid size to larger breweries to where they sit at it. Yeah. And I don't know because obviously I haven't done the maths. No. And I haven't had a conversation with anybody yet because I think we're, what, three months into yeah, it. Yeah, so everybody's still don't know playing with the their spreadsheets are. and trying to figure yeah. out exactly so it's, are you going to be interested to see what happens over the next year or so yes. with it? Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're all, obviously we're already seeing more 3.2 percent, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. to get under that duty threshold, and uh, we're also yeah. seeing, you know, I think we're probably going to see, you know, if we haven't seen already, the demise of the sort of 8.5 and 9 percent imperial stouts, and you know, and the double IPAs even at 8.5. I don't think you're going to see very many of those either, because it's just it doesn't make sense to brew a beer at that that ABV, because it's just you know you're just above the threshold. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's quite, it's, and the interesting thing is the way they've differentiated between package and draft huh. and we've and it's quite funny actually because we've actually got so we do it quite a lot with stone yeah uh, and stone produced lots of different beers quite a range of abvs but of course package has to be above 20 liters yes okay so stone specialist beers coming in 19.5 oh no <laughs> Because that will so, be that's an correct. imperial, well, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's also American, the yeah. American, but they come in at nineteen point five. Oh no! So uh, it's it's the uh, the law of unintended consequences, yeah. which is quite interesting, is to see that that's happened. We've been talking to, and I think one of the implications is, is talking to some of the importing. We occasionally import beers, yeah. so we at Beer will import beers uh, or Stratford International import beers. Yeah. Stratford International tends to import because we've got the ERI license. It's just done that way. Yeah. But if we are importing a beer, uh, we haven't yet done it our, under the new duty rates. Right. Which is going to be an interesting exercise because it, you've got to t- work out what their duty will be over that. And I haven't done it yet. No. It's a whole new maths exercise, <laughs> that. But I think that's, I think certainly for me, and that's one of the things we've been looking at doing is to whether we import more beers, but on a one-off basis, rather yep. than actually trying to import lots of different breweries, lots of different volume, producing small volumes of beer, to make a unique offer so that we will look to bring in brewers from America, a German brewery, but only one pallet worth and that'll be in once every year or yep. once every six months. Yeah. So I think that's the sort of thing I think that we're going to see start to develop over yeah. time is where 
where you actually do it, but you've got to do everything. You've got to do the importing, you've got to work out how duty works, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, which is fine, mm-hmm. but it takes time. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, gents, let's take a short break. Beer Passport 2024 is a pocket-sized guide to 70 brewery taprooms across London, allowing you to explore the city's thriving craft beer scene, discover exciting new breweries and drink delicious beer. It includes some of London's biggest and best breweries and offers over £350 worth of savings. So put Beer Passport right at the top of your Christmas list. Head to beerpassport.co.uk to grab yours and use the code THISWEEK20 for 20% off before Christmas. I'm back with Mike and Terry for the second half of the show. Gents, at this stage every week, I like to have a bit of fun and put the guests on the spot and ask probably the only tricky question I'm going to ask you all afternoon. So the question is, and I'd like you each to answer it from your own perspective. So, so Mike, I'm going to ask you to talk for the rake and Terry for Tap East. But the question is, what makes you different? What is it you're doing to stand out in the crowded and competitive UK craft beer scene? Um, I think in the Rake's case, it's because we have st- we started doing this a long time ago, mm-hmm. and our uniqueness is that we haven't really changed what we've done. We've offered unique selection of beers from various breweries from all around, not just in UK, yeah. but internationally. And I think we're lucky enough to be where we are. Yes, and I think that's a huge important part of it. But the fact of the matter is, we try and offer a unique offer in terms of the offering. In a tiny site, yeah, it is not a huge amount of space. No, no. I mean, we've actually glossed. We we probably should have sort of grasped that nettle when we were talking about the rake earlier on. But just for people that haven't been here, Mike, how many people can you get standing inside downstairs before you have to say that's enough? <laughs> um, well, I think we've had an awful number of people. I probably shouldn't say how many people we've had no. here before, but I suspect realistically, in order to have people standing around so they can actually move. Probably about 30 people is yeah. the maximum. I mean, you've got seating for We've what, got, eight or? Uh, t- eight to Kind of, 12. there's three tabletops. Three tables of four. So if you're good friends, you could probably so get four. So four, three's are 12. Yeah. So 12, and then enough people walking around. You can probably get about 30, 30 plus in the yeah. bar itself. And then outside on the deck, We've got probably another 40, 50 seats. Yes. Um, so it's probably only about 90 altogether. Yeah, I mean, the deck's at least twice the size yeah. of the indoor space, I should think, isn't it? Yeah, so it is. it's, uh, and it's seated. And then you've got the outside of the market, which we can't use during the day. Right. But in the early part of the evening, up until 10 o'clock, we can. So. Oh, great. Okay, so people take a plastic glass and go yeah. and sit on the, well, the terrace or whatever. Or... Technically, no, they can't no. sit on the terrace. No. Technically, they have to stay around about our, our okay. site, but right. it's not. But you can still get, you'll still get another couple hundred people in without oh, trying to okay. so. It's, yeah. Excellent. Sorry, it's I, a small site, yes. That was a tangent uh, no, no, to no, what no, makes no. you a different question. But uh, Terry, same question to you. What makes you different at Tap East? Um, so for Tap East, it's probably my accessibility <laughs> in the sense that everyone who drinks my beer, I come into contact to because the nice. brewery is on site. Everything's yep. done pretty much in-house. Yep. And you're um, there uh, seven days a week, are you? Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> five days a week. And I do have this odd um, tendency to night brew sometimes. Do well. you? Yeah. Have you ever been in a shopping centre in the middle of the night? No. Yeah, I have that ability. <laughs> yeah, you've got the keys. Yeah. yeah, I've got the keys. Um, but yeah, so I, I speak to our customers all yep. the time. I'm always there. That's nice. And uh, they do tell me if they don't like something. I yep. could confirm that. But they also tell me if they do like something. Good. And, and how much do you take notes of them? Uh, 
all the time, obviously. Okay. That, was, <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a trick question. I, I, I was hoping for that answer. But. <laughs> Especially our regulars. Like they're yep. the people that come in multiple times all week. Yeah. Um, and I do generally care what they think yeah. about it. This is actually my first brewing job. Okay, so, great. So um, I have no brewing experience before this. Right. So our regulars, their opinion really matters I mean, just to, to me. Just to put that into context, I assume you came in as an assistant brewer and you've and have worked up to head brewer rather than... I did, of, yeah. I didn't give you the keys to the, to no, the brewery. No, straight away. <laughs> uh, so I actually joined Tap East in October 2019. Okay. And I was assistant to Josh Walker, who's now head brewer of Exile. Great. Yeah. Um, and then he left in 2020 at some point, around the same time. And then I was, yeah, then I was given the keys. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm still learning massively. I think Tappies has got an odd situation. And to some extent, I mean, the rake has regular customers mm. in that you have people who work around here and who come on a regular basis. Yeah. But that customer base is quite wide. Whereas I think Tappies has a regular customers. Right. Yeah. It's what you would traditionally call regular customers in yeah. a normal bar. So I think it's got it's got a, a loyal support. They enjoy the beers that Terry does. Yeah. And they're not frightened about telling you if you've changed something for the wrong way. No. So. I mean, are your customers people that work in the in the mail to some extent, or, or? Uh, some are? Yeah. Um, so what I actually find is it's not people that live in Stratford. It's people that live. Either in Kent. So it's, it's people more passing through the station than passing through the shopping centre. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. they live like on the boundary of Stratford, so right. like Leighton, yeah. etc. Again, on the way home. Yeah. Um, it's not the people that live there, okay. um, which I've always found very interesting. We've tried to get the people that live there yeah. to come, but I think the people that can afford to live in the Olympic Village and sure. all the news flats there yeah, yeah. don't like drinking in Stratford. No. <laughs> I think they, <laughs> they're up the West End somewhere, ah, probably. Ah, the same question to you. Who are your customers in the, in, in the rake? A uh, combination of two, lots of people. Um, really, it's a combination of regular people who work in the area. Mm-hmm. Again, a bit influenced by the fact you've got London Bridge Station. Yeah. Not so much so, but a bit influenced by people who live and work in the area. Now, bear in mind, you've got you've got some fairly big organisations around us. So there's WPPs here, yeah. Pearson's Group here. There's there's some big media organisations yeah. around here. You've got people who walk for the city coming over. So one lot of people is people who, who live and work who work in the area, and then the other one is people who visit the area. Yeah. And we because we've always had a reputation for trying to we've always worked well with American brewers and with European breweries. Then we tend to get a lot of visitors who are in on their way to Borough Market. Yep. Let's be honest, they're coming to Borough Market. Yep. Or they're on the way to the beer mile. Yeah. Whichever one you want to use. Sure. And there yeah. are several in London now, but <laughs> but but there. So so we get two two groups of people really, predominantly people who work in the area or work in London. Yeah. And then people who are visiting. Yeah. Uh, and they're both really good they're good fun. You have some cracking conversations. I've had more conversations with people here who are brewers who don't say anything to you until you actually engage in the conversation. Right. Who just happened to be here on a holiday? Nice. He said, "I came to the rake, and and by what the way do you what do you do? Oh, I've got a brewery in Alabama. Or Fantastic. Alabama. Yeah. You always have a good set of conversations with people, which yeah. is really good. I enjoy it. Terrific. And you're, of course, you're an untapped, verified venue. Yep. Is, is that uh, essential? Would you say? No, not essential. No. Um, I think more, more to the point. No, I think the predominant reason for us doing it is actually. The size of the bar means you have to tell people what the beers are. Yep. And the easiest way to do that is to put it on a computer screen, I'm afraid, on a television screen. 
if I had a bit more room, then you'd probably use long chalkboards. Ah, okay, and do that, so, so you're more just for the, for it, the display purpose in the bar. Sorry, then. frankly, yes. yes, yes. Ah, fair, fair, that's I, interesting. It, it's necessary for the display bar because of the, because of the way the layout of the bar is, and for those that people who haven't been here, then we've got a bar that is probably no more than eight feet long. Yeah. And so eight feet long doesn't have a lot of taps on it. Right. So all the taps are along one of the walls to the side and you can't see the tap heads. Yeah. So the only way to people know what's on is by putting them on a board. Zoom in, yeah. And the problem is because it's so small, if you had to have a board that had to be rewritten every 10 minutes, oh. then it would be a nightmare for the customers. Over quickly, and you're turning just, over yeah. beers quickly and also you haven't got a lot of room. Yeah. Our solution was to go for an electronic, of some form of electronic communication device yeah. and, and we use Untapped. And Untapped's a good source. Yeah. People like Untapped. They trust it, yep. and it's good for us in terms of the fact that it, people, especially for visitors, tourists in, are going to find you through. Yeah, they, yeah, and yeah. they'll come through the app. Londoners, they tend to know where it is. Though I still have a conversation every week with somebody who says, "Sorry, I don't quite know where you are." But yeah, no, no, I've walked all three three <laughs> yeah, times yeah, down yeah, the market. Yeah. I still can't, I still find, can't yeah. find you. <laughs> it's um, I think it always yeah, it's dead yeah, easy what it is. I'm afraid. Yeah. Excellent, and and just you know, in terms of sort of footfall from the tourists, do you get do you get people staggering in that that weren't looking for you, or are people mostly coming um, here intentionally? I think it's probably, I'd say sixty forty, in that people who are coming into us tend to come in here by deliberate choice. Yeah, and so for the forty percent that drop in will be somebody who's been to the market and is hand, is wandering around with a a bowl of crumble in their hand yeah. or a bowl of katsu's chicken in there yeah. and wants to find somewhere to sit down okay. comes in sits down and then realizes where they are yeah um i think that yeah i, I think it's probably 60 percent know what they're doing and 40 percent are just by chance in terms of visitors but Fair enough. yeah, yeah. tapis is probably not quite the same no <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'd say we probably get a lot of people that just stumble upon us as well yeah i would say it's a little oasis within oh. westfield because you don't have anything like no. that in a shopping center normally no you don't uh, no. so when people do stumble across us they're yeah. pleasantly surprised let's have a review of this beer terry we have moved on to uh so the second beer is a beer called emmett's uh, this is a collab with uh, another London brewery not too far from us called Next Stamper. Yep. So they're kind of um, in between like uh, Leighton and Stratford. Got it. Basically. Yep. So this is one of our beers that we did for our birthday. Ooh. The theme for, so when, when I do a collab, I like to brew there and yep. then they come and brew sure. with us as well. Home and away. Yep. Home and away. The theme of it was English and American hops in American style beer. Yep. So the beer that we brewed over there with them was a New England with English and American hops nice. uh, called Earwick. Yep. The reason that name came about is because Joe, the head brewer of Next Stamper, is scared of earwigs. It's a, they are nasty looking things. Yeah. Right? So I don't I, he know if they like, actually do you any harm, but they look like they could, don't they? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he was shaking out his gloves on the brew. I actually day, don't think you like, see him around very much. No, days. exactly. Did I, did I just did I imagine that? But it feels like it was something from my childhood. That yeah, don't, you don't kind of, see him no. anymore. He was shaking out his gloves because, and I was like, what are you doing on the brew day? Yeah. And he said, well, you never know if earwigs could get in there. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> he's scared of earwigs. I've never heard that before. No. Um, so that's why Good. that was named this. Yeah. This is a West Coast style. Yeah. I call it West Country. Yeah. I think it's, uh, the, the earwig was a bit more on the American style, yeah. uh, side. Um, it was a New England. This is a West Coast. It's probably more on the English 
side. Yeah, and the hops are. Side. The hops, uh, so English, we have Godiva and Jester. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, American, we have Amarillo, Centennial, and Simcoe. Nice. And that. we're drinking this on cask. We are, yes. Yeah. So what we find as well, there's not that many cask breweries in London no. anymore. So majority of people, when they come and mm. brew with us, they really want to do a cask. Yeah. Because a lot of these breweries that don't do cars, mm. the brewers still really want to do them. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, this has been sitting on the table for half an hour while we've been nattering. But when, yeah. when you first served it, it had a nice little tickle of carbonation as well. Yeah, it, it has set, that's settled out now, as you yeah. expect with a, with the cast beer. But I think it was, it was really nicely carbonated when it was freshly poured. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, it's a good beer. I would say, like, production-wise at Tap East, it's probably 60-40 uh, cask and keg. Mm-hmm. We probably get through more tappies cast than we do keg and i think that's also due to the football fans as well is it yeah. i find football fans they well they've told me actually yeah they don't like drinking loads of keg because it bloats them and that's they are a, drinking yeah. all day yeah, of course because you're going to be putting a few pints away before you go out the game yeah that's when they shift most of our cask is on uh, match days but i went for a bit of a journey with this beer i it was the first time i was using uh, t45 pellets so yeah. like the cryo kind yeah. of stuff and i dry hopped with it and it was super green for a very long time. Right. And we can't take our trub off um, mm. from the fermenters because they're dish bowl. Yes. So I left it for a month. <laughs> I left it for a month on the trub, which is probably not a great thing to do. But no. I think it's settled out quite well. Mm. Um, some grapefruit in there, but like mm. you still get the Englishness from it. Yeah. Maybe some dark berries as well. The, the earwig that we brew with next tamper is one of the favourite beers of all time. For What's me. the ABV of this? Uh, this is 6%. How is it? Oh, yeah, so nice. it's yeah. it's up there. It's lovely. Ever since, so this was brewed after the tax change. Ever since the tax has been promoting low ABVs, I seem to be doing stronger ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. um, when they zig, you zag. Excellent. Mike, 17 years into the rake's journey, um, you're probably better positioned than anybody to talk about future. You know, what, what are you expecting, hoping from the UK craft beer scene in the next three to five years? Three years till your 20th birthday. Well, you know, where, um, where do you I, hope we'll be I, there? Okay, I think that, I think we'll do what you're saying. I think there'll be, and what I'm hoping will happen, there'll be some more stabilisation going on in terms of uh, the offer. Mm-hmm. I think we will see a lowering of the ABV yep. slightly, uh, not massively. And I think we will see the number of pubs that are closing, I think, will slow down. Sure. Um, well, think, most of the crap ones are closed now. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, most of them are gone. <laughs> and most of the I decent think, ones are still doing fine. Think, <laughs> it's funny that, isn't it? I think, that, <laughs> I think the one thing that's going to be an issue is, from a commercial point of view, hmm. I would like to see the business rate sorted out. Oh, yeah. Because I think that's a p- potentially an axe hanging over everybody's head. Yeah. But do you, you don't expect it to stay cut long term, do you? No, I mean that's my yeah. that's my point. Is I yeah. think it's got to be worked out. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, I mean it would be a huge impact on businesses if it returns in its full brutal to, force. Yeah, sure. So I think to me, for businesses to be sustainable, there has got to be some serious indication of what is happening over that. And I think the problem you've got with businesses is is where the future lies. I don't think you can plan anything no, until you until know you what know that's going to be. So at yeah. the moment we now know we're down again 75% discount this coming year. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a fairly substantial amount of money. Yeah. And that for a lot of brewery, a lot of beer bars is the difference between profit that's, and loss. That's keeping them running, basically. That's yeah. keeping them running. Yeah, keep, and keep I think that's fine, but you can't go on. You know, so I think that's one of the things I'd like. I'd like to see some stability in 
the cost centres of businesses. Yeah. So that includes the business rates. Yeah. I think includes utilities because I think they need stabilising. Yeah. I think that in terms of the offer, I think we're going to see more interesting use of some technologies in terms of cryo, in yeah. terms of that, those sort of things in the brewing process, yeah. which in theory should be able to keep the prices down. Sure, especially with, you know, with, your, with your small kit, you can't afford yeah. to lose 10% of, no. of your brewing you know, soaked into the hops, can you, at the end of the so, day? No, exactly. Yeah. One of the things actually is you can actually go from nine casts to 10 casts yeah. if you use hop essence or hop yeah. oils. So I think the use of technology within the smaller brewing yeah. is going to be something we're going to see more of. I think there's going to be a move from the American hops. I think there's going to be a move to see what hops are going to be able to be grown elsewhere in the world. Yeah. And I think more British hops are potentially. Mm. Um, I don't think that's going to happen for probably five years. Mm. I think it's too quick to happen. Yeah, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not but, something but I think that's a longer term. Three, three or four years. I think that's a longer term, but I think, yeah. I think we're going to see less dominant of the American hops mm. because one of the problems is that Yakima's having problems anyway. That's right, with climate. Um, yeah. With climate. Yeah. So we have to find somewhere else to get hops yeah. from and therefore we can have to adapt our recipes to fit with what happens. Um, so I think those two things will happen. I think there will be an increase in low and no, yeah. but I think it won't be as dramatic as some people think. No. Uh, I think the low and no will probably predominantly sit in the package product. I, I agree. I think it will as well, yeah. It won't sit in the draft product. I no. think it'll sit in the package product, which is fine. Yeah. And I think that every good bar should operate and have a good selection of those. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think there has to be more awareness of how staff are looked over, are looked after in the bar industry, how people are paid mm. um, in terms of the awareness of women and girls at work. Um, and all that sort of attitude and that for us is very important sure. and I think that's going to change over time I think technology is going to be I think operational technology is going to be important Yeah. whether it's things like tip jar whether it's square whatever you're using yeah. because at the end of the day the way you can offset the cost increase is by making it more efficient Yeah. and I think if you can do that then I think the bar industry is a good place to be Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a lot to be said for for the bar operations and beer bars in particular yeah. going forward. So in the next five years, I don't think a lot's going to change, but I no. think it's going to be, I think it's going to be incremental. Yeah. But I think if there is stuff that will change. I do think I'm interested to see where we go with the hops outside of requiring America, where we yeah. go with that and with the technology even brewing is going to be an issue from my point of view. Wow. Good comprehensive answer. Thank you. Anything to add to that, Terry, from your perspective? I just want to agree with using UK hops. Yeah. I think they're, massively underused especially in london yeah um there's not many london breweries that use them no how are they priced compared to the american hops? cheap they, they are cheaper yeah. yeah even something like mystic you're looking yeah. at 19 pound a kilo okay. where americans you could be talking 25 yeah above a lot of effort now being put into uk hops because yeah. they realize it's not to people's taste at the moment yeah. and i think they're getting some really good results sure yeah and hopefully they can um, keep moving forward with well they had to you know that they obviously relying on probably is the right word but you know that they they've been producing a certain style of hops that yeah. were you know used to produce traditional british beers for for very you know centuries quite frankly and so you mm. know that, that that whilst there is still a market for those beers to some extent they needed to have an updated offering didn't they to to you know enable the, the you know the types of beers that we like to drink and so yeah you know, I, mean, I also think there's the implication of climate change at the end of the day yeah 
you've got you know the fact you're growing far more grapes further north etc etc I think there's the implications to whether you can grow different hops I mean it's not the same terroir as you get in the Yakima Valley no the the soil biology isn't the same um, and the climate change isn't quite the same but but I do think we've got to realize that you're not going to be able to ship all these hops from all over the world no and you might as well get used to it yeah so what I think we need to do is develop a brewing industry that relies more on our own and create good and interesting beers as a result of that. Yeah. So what's the last beer then? Uh, so last beer again is also a collab. Oh, smoke uh, beer. So yeah, and it is also a smoke beer. <laughs> it's also surprise, smoke surprise. and it's also cast. Um, so this is what I would say was our actual birthday beer. Hmm. This is a collab with Great Beyond mm. who are in Hoxton. You had John on your podcast. I did, yeah. Before. Yeah. And so they were celebrating their first year in November. That's right, yeah. They've we done, were they've, celebrating they've achieved our 12th. a lot in a year, haven't they? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So Ollie came over for the brew day and we all had a meeting and I was like, this is my chance. I'm going to suggest Smoke Mild to Michael Rich. <laughs> <laughs> and then hopefully Might Ollie never, and John will say yes. Might never get away with it again. But I think it is a, a mildly smoked Smoke Mild. Yeah, so, yeah it is. Um, you still get like the toffee and the caramel. So, Great Beyond suggested I used a malt called Cararoma, which right. I've never used before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I replaced all the crystal malts that I would normally use in my mild with that. Yep. And I think you still get like the kind of toffee, molasses kind of thing through it. Yeah. And then the smoke. Um, hop with Bramling Cross, which mm. is uh, my go to hop, uh, English hop right. for. For English hop flavours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's a very versatile hop. Yeah. You can use it for bitter and you can use yeah, it for flavours. Yeah. Nice. This is my after work drink at the moment, Smoke Mild. So well, maybe it'll come back. Who what's knows? the ABV on that again? 3.5% oh. on this. Um, so, yeah, like bags, I said... Bags of flavour for 3.5, yeah. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. Um, definitely get the, you know, did you say the sort of the slightly burnt sugar molasses kind of flavour yeah. that's really nice and, and just a hint of smoke not you didn't overdo the smoke you could easily have done you didn't yeah that um, was like the main point when yeah. we had that meeting let's mm. not over smoke it it's yeah, still the, a mild the danger is smoke you end up with bacon yeah, yeah. so it's good good work Terry good work well, indeed <laughs> well let's get into the home straight then gents and uh, I have two traditional wrap up questions the first of them is I asked the guest to give what I call a shout out to the little guy I know the rake is a little guy, and I'd like to mention one or more local beer businesses that you think are doing a great job promoting independent craft beer, and that can be a brewery, a tap room, another pub, a bottle shop, uh, even a restaurant or a cafe, but you think somebody that's doing a great job promoting independent craft beer, and I guess I'd ask you to maybe mention one or two local to Borough and one or two local to Stratford. Yeah, so I, I have one yep. that I can think of straight away. So the Stag and Lantern Micro Pub. In uh, so it's where I live, Hines Park, so yep. East London, mm-hmm. kind of like Walthamstow Way. Yeah, uh, they opened up during COVID. Right, I think they have four or five cast lines, four or five keg lines, nice. and then some real cider there as yep. well. Uh, tiny and a little shop front, like mm-hmm. a micro pub should be, and uh, it's just created a really good community there, which Brilliant. the area yeah. was massively missing. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, they've done a really good job there. I live there, yeah. so it's my local. Perfect. It's perfect. They came and brewed with us uh, earlier this year cool. as well. I did a tasting over there. Yeah. Great guys, just what they needed. Um, and Next Stamper, who I've mentioned constantly before, yeah. uh, a lot of people don't know of them. No. Really. I did not know of them until yeah. this year, and 
first of all, Joe and Adam, really great guys. Yeah. Like, amazing. Second of all, their beer is always consistently good. Yeah. Like, we get them in at Tappies. Have they got a tap room? Uh, they do. It's only yeah. open on Saturday. Right, yeah. It's just the two of them in there. Okay. Um, but, yeah, great guys. They're nice. probably my two. Yeah. How about um, you, Mike? Uh, I, funny enough, great beyond. Yeah. John, and I think he's done a tremendous job. Yeah. Um, over what he's done over the last year. And actually, the cork and bottle in Peterborough. Oh. Um, which sounds a long way away, but actually, they, uh, people we know, and, yeah. and Gina used to be the manager at the drinks cage. Right. Um, and they've set up a place in, in Peterborough that does, it's a micro pub, it's got a little small, does some off sales, does on sales. Yeah. But they're doing a bottle shop and they're doing a tremendous job, and I hear great reports of them. So that might call out the cork bottle up in, up in up in Peterborough. Peterborough, yeah, nice. All right. So yeah, thanks for that. Excellent. Then we are at the wrap up question, and I will need an answer from each of you here as well. Uh, and this is: What would be your ultimate happy hour? Three parts to this question: Where would you be? Who would you be with? And what specific beer would you be drinking? And just one qualifier is the beer doesn't necessarily need to, to match exist. the venue. No, it has to exist. <laughs> <laughs> but you can bring it with you, is my point. You wouldn't necessarily need to you know, walk in and expect to find it serving. Who'd like to go first with that ultimate happy Um I think, I'm sorry, I'm going to be really selfish. I'd say it actually would be the rake. Right. But it would be with Alan Turig. Yep. And Sir Isaac Newton. Right. Um, mainly because Alan Turig's quite... A genius in my opinion, yeah, sure. probably one of the least respected people in the world yeah. ever. Yeah. Uh, and Newton, because he was a cantankerous bugger <laughs> and really unpleasant. Um, so I think he'd be quite fun. Yeah. And the only thing I'd drink is probably a beer that wouldn't have been available to them no. at any time. And that's, I would have a bottle of Goose Island, Bourbon County. Oh, wow. Okay. Any particular vintage or uh, just well because they do I mean they, they do they but used to the, just do one and now they do they, five they or tell, six I would go back to the original yeah. but bear in mind we originally bought a barrel across with it did you uh, of Bourbon County which between us and the White Horse split so I would do a barrel of Bourbon County wow. and I'd have it from the original stock mm. that was produced and I would quite happily sit here in the rake and drink it for all hours <laughs> Yeah. Terry. Yeah, so I've just come back from Vietnam. So where it would be is a place which is an, it's an awful tacky bar, but it's called Mr. Bean Bar in Hoi An in Vietnam. Okay. Uh, it's themed on Mr. Bean for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's right on the riverfront in Hoi An. Yeah. Um, it also has karaoke, which I'm pretty good at. If you come to Tappies, you'll probably hear me singing through the brewery <laughs> door. Some people like it, some people don't. They don't like it. <laughs> there's a fourth. There's a fourth part to this question. I've just invented, for, especially for you, Terry. I need to know what would be, your, what yeah, would be yeah. your karaoke song to to serenade your guests with. I mean, so it, you're it, Mr. Bean. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Bean. Hoyan, I have been to Hoyan. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, probably going to be Islands in the Stream, Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers. I can. I mean, it's a Which duet, part you, but I, I was going to say, both parts. Yeah. yeah, if we just kind of like half and half me, you know, <laughs> one half Dolly. <laughs> One half Kenny Rogers. Oh. We could go like that. It'll go probably that. work. Um, right. Who are you with? So I'd probably be with my nan, actually. Nice. That's a bit sad. Wow, that's, a, that's not sad at all. Yeah, she's uh, 
very nice woman and also a massive drinker. Excellent. Uh, and what would you be drinking? Um, again, I'm choosing one of my old beers. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, but it is actually the Inkling as well. Mm. Um, and it's how annoying is it that my favourite beer I didn't make the recipe of? <laughs> what can we do? Well, that, yeah. Shout out to a fella. You're a big man to admit that, you know, that's... Yeah. It was even though it's brewed on your kit, you didn't write the recipe. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Excellent, good answers both. Thank you, gents, and been lots of fun. Really enjoyed catching up with you. Um, it's been a few, thanks, man. It's been, been, a, been a, few a few years. years. Yeah, we had a few drinks out in the garden back in the day, but uh, nice, to, nice to catch up again. So impressed with with what you're doing at both these businesses. Really, I mean, you know, this this is an absolute institution, the rake, and you know, I, I very much hope it's still here in another seventeen years. I'm quite sure it will be. Um, but uh, might well have retired by then. I well, I, exactly. But you'll have handed or it resting. on. You, you will have handed it on to, to somebody to take good care of it. I'm quite sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're doing a great service to, to, to UK craft beer, Mike, and have done for a very long time. Terry, uh, you know, I love your, your perspective on what you're doing down there. I, I do need to get across the Stratfield. I will make the yes, effort. Please. I promise. Um, but uh, no, it sounds like you've got a, a fun thing going on there as well. Um, so this has been a good conversation. Thank you very much for your Thank time. You. Thanks so much for this afternoon. It's been good fun. Yeah. Awesome. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please tell your drinking friends and leave us a review in your podcast app, as it really helps others discover the show. And of course, if you'd like to help support us and save money in the process, then please head over to www.thisweekincraft.beer and become a member today for just £1.99 a month and get access to exclusive savings at the top UK craft breweries. 